So good to be here. It really is. Uh, we're very honored um, for having us here in your city, uh, in, in your house, and uh, we have such a high expectation of what God wants to do here this morning and today. How many people have that anticipation in their heart? All right. How many know that God comes and he meets us in our expectation? So there's something significant about us and our attitude and our, and our heart and our intent, and as we come into his presence, there's something significant if we come with that expectation. God comes and he meets us. So I'm, we're very hopeful and believe that God's going to do some awesome things today. Um, before we actually get started, we, we believe the Lord laid uh, an awesome word on our hearts for your house and for your city. But before we get into that, we had a couple of things we wanted to do. Um, do you want to do yours first or no? Do it all together. The best thing is when you have people and they bring gifts. Yes. I think gifts are fun. Who else likes gifts? Gifts are good. So we brought gifts. All right. The first gift is, um, so yesterday I was driving, and for some reason whenever I'm here, I don't know if it's just Abbotsford, but whenever I'm in Abbotsford, some reason I get on the nerves of locals when I'm driving. I don't, <laughs> I, get, I get some mean looks and I don't know what it is. Um, well, I think I maybe know what it is. Like the first time when we were first married, we've been married, number one, for almost, uh, almost 23 years. In just a few days here, we'll be married for 23 years. And by the way, Kylie, can you stand up? And Trenton, those, these are our two kids. Trenton just graduated from high school. And Kylie, we're so proud of them. We're excited for the awesome things God's going to do to them. Um, so uh, um, like when we were first married, I was up here. I think it was for a Christmas. We were visiting her folks, and we were in a parking lot. And I don't know what it is about parking lots and me and other drivers, but somehow I get on the nerves of other people. And this, this lady comes up behind me. I was kind of pulled over to the side. It was in a parking lot. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just not one who really cares a whole lot about all the specific rules in parking lots, because it's a parking lot, right? So whatever. So I'm pulled over to the side. There's plenty of room for this person to get around, but for some reason, she just pulls up behind me, and she just stops, and she starts honking on her horn, and honking on her horn. I'm waiting for Deneen, because she's in the bank, um, and mind you, again, it's not on the street. It's in a parking it lot. It was a so, designated pullover yeah. so- spot, just so you know. It says pullover for the ATM. And, you know, so I roll down the window, and I'm like, what I wave her on, you know, go around, and she just keeps on honking and honking. She's, for like five minutes, she's sitting behind there. I'm like, I'm not going to really move. So eventually she comes up behind me really slow and she comes up and uh, picture this. She looked maybe 90 years old, right? She was old, older. A a very old woman. And um, (laughs) can you picture the the meanest look on your face? This lady gaze me and she's like. (laughs) And here I'm just I just start laughing, which is probably not the best thing to do, but she just kept on going. So and I don't she know gunned it. it. She yeah. gunned it at the same time. She's like, Rrr! so I don't I don't know what it is about parking lots because yesterday I was um I, I was yesterday, yesterday morning I was getting uh, some breakfast for us all. I was taking it back, and um, again it's in a parking lot. And again I, maybe maybe my perspective is a little different than y'all's perspective. With parking lots, but parking lots to me are just kind of a free-for-all, right? <laughs> I mean, there's no police in, in a parking lot. It is, you know, they're not going to pull you over. I don't think they will. Will they park you, pull you over in parking lots here? Yeah. 
Really? Wow. You're so lucky. Wow. Yeah, okay. So that's, okay, maybe. So um, I had my hands full of stuff, just got a bunch of th- stuff, taking it back to the family, you know. I was gathering all the food for the morning for them. And uh, I wasn't paying much attention. And um, you know how parking lots have one way is going one way and another way going, you know, every lane's going. I wasn't paying much attention. I started going down a lane that evidently wasn't the correct way. But there's like tons of room for everyone to get by. And lo and behold, this other guy starts coming towards me. So I pull over a little bit and he like starts veering towards me. I'm like, he sees me. You are going the wrong but way. He's trying to I'm prove making a point. my point. Like, you are a moron. You're going down the wrong lane and I'm going to enforce my justice on you. And he like almost hits me. I'm like, I'm sorry. What am I supposed to do? It's a parking lot. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> What does this story have to do with anything? I don't know. But um, the, no, I, actually, I started thinking about this. And, uh, and this isn't to s- be a, a negative at all uh, towards your sentiment, uh, sentiments here in uh, Abbotsford and, and probably Canada in, as a whole. But um, there's one thing that uh, there's a lot of things that Canadians do that are awesome and I absolutely love it, and they do it much better than um, uh, people in the United States. But there's one thing that I think the people in the United States do is uh, they hold things loosely in some respect. They don't, like, in parking lots, <laughs> it's like, who cares, right? It's a parking lot. And I feel like there has been something that has been placed um, on, uh, on people that the Lord wants to release today. And it is this. Let's see if I can turn the lights on. Can you all read that? It says, you have permission. Not just here, not just in your city, but in Christendom as a whole. At times, we get bogged down by rules and regulations. It says it has to be done a certain way. Or if it's going out of the grain, you just have to be in order. And there's something about Americans This is like, I don't care about order, right? And I understand order is a good thing in certain respects. But there is a limitation that can be placed on people's lives if they feel like they have to constantly, constantly coming, becoming into order of something, an establishment that is prohibiting what the Lord is wanting to do and what the Lord wants to move in. And I love this word permission. The last part of that is a mission. So what I believe the Lord wants to do today is he wants to lift off the barriers that's been placed on your lives, whether it's been specific things that's been spoken over you or things that um, you have believed about yourself, limitations that you've placed on your lives, uh, whether someone said you're not going to amount to anything or you have to do it this certain way or it's not going to be effective. And the Lord says, I'm giving you permission as long as it carries out his mission. And what is the mission? I love it. You guys are saying it all morning long. It's part of your guys' motto on earth, 
as it is in heaven. A lot of times if we, if we just continue to go by the rules, per se, the Lord wants to break out of those rules because a lot of times that's where he extends his kingdom. And so the Lord is saying today that he has given you permission. I wanted to finish that out because I also saw a picture of someone coloring outside of the lines in like a, you know, a coloring book. And sometimes the Lord's purposes and will is outside of the line, something that's already been defined. But he wants to do something new, and he wants to extend his kingdom. But if we continue to feel like we have to just color in these lines, we're going to get what we have. It's just a continuation of what we have, which is fine, but the Lord has more for us. How many know, how many believe that God has more for us here in the city? He has more for you in this house, and he has more for you in your families and in your life. How many believe that? All right, do you receive this, that you have permission? All right, so that means every time you're in a parking lot, <laughs> ignore the rules. That's, all right, all right, you got that? Okay, cool, so you have something. I just wanted to add on to that back of that is, how many of you understand that God isn't limited? He's not limited, he's limitless. Yep. And we are limited in our thinking, but when we align our thoughts and they're renewed by the Lord, we're limitless in him. And so the enemy would like nothing more than this house to think it's limited by what's already been, what's already been, what has already been defined, the status quo. But really, you have permission means renew your mind to understand that what God is saying may take you outside the box. And that's important because he has a new thing that's over here that he has a pattern that he wants to establish through his people in a place and in a land. And it comes by a people understanding that he is not bound by our thinking, but we're called to be renewed in his thinking and carry the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ blows the box off the religious status quo. It just does. I mean, you have a lot of people saying, well, God wouldn't do that because da, 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 da. Look, God's character in nature, we know, we know what the Bible says about him. He is beyond our comprehension, which means that in the mind of Christ is the only place that we're going to be able to start to move into what he's saying. It's not going to be in our finite comprehension. So there is, there is a, there's a permission granted when we step into the mind of Christ for, to see his kingdom come on earth. It's his kingdom. So if it's his kingdom and we're trying to do it by our thinking, then it becomes our kingdom reflecting maybe him. So I just want to just tag that on. Okay, which one are we doing? Actually, that first. Okay, so when um, I was praying about this house, um, the Lord really gave me a word over you guys that you are a citadel. I believe he's establishing fortresses and citadels in the kingdom, in lands and regions. And I really feel that Solid Rock Church is a citadel. It's a fortress that is called to steward the glory fire of the Lord. How many of you know that when you're planted in a land, it's about the land coming, it's about the land being redeemed, it's about the region, the peoples, and the earth being established and released into the glory of the Lord. Where oppression is sat on the land, it's about a people coming in and saying, no, we're going to lift that off and we're going to release the kingdom of heaven on earth, right? Then the God places a citadel. Poof, 
a fortress that stewards the land, that occupies the land, that actually releases and sends out um, troops, sends out uh, uh, ambassadors, sends out people all over the land to hold the land in occupation for the kingdom. And then what happens is the spies get sent out and then they go to and extend the territory to another place and then boom, another fortress is placed for the kingdom, right? And we hold the ground. We hold the ground not only in the physical realm, but we hold the ground in the spiritual realm. And I want to say that Solid Rock Church is a citadel. And you've been wondering, why has the warfare been so crazy? This is why he's establishing his kingdom through this house in this land. And the enemy has to flee. So there's resistance. Because why? The enemy doesn't want to give up his territory. But God said, Abbotsford is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. He said, Solid Rock Church is here for a purpose. Not for hey, nani, nani. For a purpose, that his kingdom would be established on earth as it is in heaven in Abbotsford. And extend to Vancouver. And extend to Canada. And extend and extend and extend. And I see this house as a citadel, which also means that within it is an ecosystem that connects other houses to other houses to other houses. So you become a network of the kingdom in this region. And it goes up and down, north and south, east and west, and it doesn't stop. This is a house that will steward the fire of the Lord, which means that the things that are not of God will be burned off. Boy, that's a heavy assignment. But the grace of the Lord comes with those that are surrendered to his purpose and his ways. So I just want to encourage you that if you take the posture of the heart that says, God, everything I am is yours. I lay it at your feet. Everything we are, Solid Rock Church, we are about Jesus Christ, the plumb line, the solid rock, that his kingdom comes, that his will be done on earth as in heaven. If we put everything into that purpose, the grace and the empowerment and the provision, all the things necessary to to see the word of the Lord accomplished for this house will come forth. So we call it forth. I call it forth in Jesus' name. Spring up a well. Spring up the well, the underground rivers of God to come forth in this house. I speak of the ecosystem, of the kingdom wealth, the grace, the provision, the empowerment, the people, the people that are the promise of the the heirs of salvation that carry out the fullness of God. We call forth the people. We call forth the land. In Jesus' name, that this place would stand against all things because it is an emblem, it is sealed in the Holy Spirit as a citadel, a place of a fortress that will stand against the gates of hell and it will not, the gates of hell will not overrun it. In fact, it will extend beyond its borders and pull forth the glory and the majesty of God and extend it out into this land. And just declare it over this house, a new sound, the sound of the breaker anointing. We declare it over this house now. And with the citadel comes this. It comes a tent peg. And Ty is going to talk about something he has on, on it. But you represent a tent peg. This is another visual. Going into the ground. We will not be moved. We will not be shaken. The word of the Lord will not return void. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. Okay? This is solid rock. This is the first tent peg. Ty, you have something to add to that. So um, So I'm going to give this to you. 
we're all familiar with that scripture talking about expanding your, your tent pegs, right? Getting ready. And I, I believe that's true for this house. But there was uh, a picture the Lord showed us a number of years ago uh, about our house. By the way, we're from Portland, Oregon. I don't know if anyone heard that. We're from Portland, Oregon. Shout out to Portland. Woohoo! Um, uh, but we're a very, um, our mission, purpose, God has really planted us in the city to see city transformation. It's not just a buzzword. It's just not like something we're hoping for. It's literally something, this is what we exist for. We're going to see city transformation. We already have seen uh, God move in significant ways. But we also believe that what's going to come out of Portland and what's going to come out of the Northwest Cascadia region, which we're all part of here, we're all part of that family, there's a significant move of God that's going to sweep out from this area and go to the nations and literally shake the earth. Um, so the Lord showed us a visual of our house, Father's house. It's the name of the church uh, we're out of. Um, and uh, we've all ha- always had that picture of our tent pegs, right? People giving us that scripture, you know, expand them. God's going to uh, give you, you know, more stuff, more, more um, just significance and all these, all these things, which is, which is awesome. It's, it's true. We believe that. But then we had this other picture the Lord showed us. He says, yes, you may have your own little tent pegs, but you are a tent peg. Boom. And he showed us. And he zoomed out of the whole entire map. And he said, this house over here is a tent peg. And this house over here is a tent peg. And my tent is being spread out across the entire region. And so I believe it, it came in four. But I believe there are four tent pegs here in Abbotsford. You guys are an apostolic house. You guys are a significant house. You guys have influence in this city and in this region. I'm not just saying that, hoping that it's going to happen. It already is. That's what heaven has seen. That's what heaven has declared. God has said it over your house. So because of that, you're going to partner. And I know you guys have already partnered with other houses in the area. But I believe there are four total houses, one of which you are. And you all are a tent peg in this area that's going to be spread, and there's going to be a giant tent of God's presence over this city and over this region. So pray to that. I know the Lord's probably already laying on your heart what other houses those represent. Talk to the pastors about it. And just spread that vision, because I believe that is a picture that the Lord has for your house. It's a picture uh, that the Lord has for your city. Amen. And I just want to tag on to that. As far as the as far as the partner churches are concerned, it will be like heart, like mind, like mission. It won't be like I have to go find them. God will bring them to you. There will be relationship established and you will have the eyes to see and recognize this is who I'm covenanting with. And it represents also covenant. So I, d- I just want to encourage you. You don't have to go looking and wondering, oh my gosh, what is the Lord's going to open that door in those relationships. And he's going to say, hey, this is who you're covenanting with. So I just want to reaffirm that to you. And then our, our last gift that we have are keys. And um, I love keys. Keys find me everywhere. Um, the Lord gives me keys. But I feel to give this to you guys as a senior leaders of this house and then as your leadership team. I believe that God is going to give you apostolic keys 
and strategies that will put feet to prophetic hope. The, the, there's lots of prophetic words, and that's really important, but we need the apostolic feet to carry out. And we need the, the vision and the strategy of the Lord to see our partnership realized with the word of God, to see that established in the city. And I believe that there are special keys coming for this next season for you guys. Um, special keys in... Um, uh, community strategy and special keys um, in relation to families. And I really see this as a house of generations. Um, it's interesting that you did that whole thing because the Lord had given me, I have it on my phone, but I really see this as a house of generations. And there's going to be keys that are generational keys that will, will be passed down in the DNA from family to family to family. And I see such a multiplication on your house. So I just bless you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, we tell you, you have permission. We proclaim you are a citadel. We give you the tent peg, and we say, go run, run swiftly, and do, do what the Lord has said. Amen. Yeah. And that wasn't our message. All right. <laughs> well, it is. But, those, were you know, those were freebies. Were, those were free. We'll throw that in for free. Um, Why don't you pray, babe? Why don't you have everybody stand up I, th I think there's uh, a significance in our agreement. So can we just stand up in agreement with these words? And then let's pray with uh, not just, uh, Lord, let's, let's hope it happens. Let's pray with faith and fervency, knowing this is what God has declared over you and your house. Amen? Yeah. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for what you have declared, what you have spoken. Lord, I thank you for what you've already done in this house and through this house, in this city, in this region. There is a significant deposit that goes back decades, Lord, that you have used this house to accomplish with. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we're standing today on the foundation that was built. And we're building, Lord, the next a ceiling for the next generation's floor to continue on what you are doing. Lord, we understand that, Lord, this isn't just about us here in this today. We understand that we're a part of something bigger that you have said, that you established, that you started decades and decades ago and will continue to go for the generations. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we get to play a part in this. Lord, we say yes. We say yes. We say yes to your call. Lord, we say yes. We are a tent peg. Lord, we say yes. We do have significance. We say yes, Lord. We are a citadel. Lord, we say yes. We are your burning ones. And say, we, Lord, we say yes. I thank you, Lord, for giving us permission to color out of the lines and to go and be bold and yes. do things through and in you, Lord. For your glory, Lord, that your name would be lifted up. Jesus, that you would be glorified. Jesus, that you would get your full reward. And Lord, let it be said in Abbotsford as it is in heaven. Amen. So our church, we meet on a campus uh, of Portland State University, which is the largest university in Oregon. It has, uh, I don't know, 35, almost 40,000, I think, students 
uh, going there. And the Lord has given us just, it's a long story. We don't have time for it. But the Lord gave us such an incredible open door and favor to be on a campus. And how many know that it's a pretty rare thing for a secular university to allow a church on its grounds to conduct week-in, week-in, week-in-out meetings. In fact, it's never done, never been done in our campus. And I can say it was only done because the Lord did it. He opened the doors. It's a long story, like I said. But it's to the point now where they actually consider us part of themselves. So we we didn't ever come in and, and have this attitude of it's us and them. We lay our lives down and we serve them because we are them. And sometimes we have this perspective. It's like us here in the body of Christ and then everybody else out there. And what that does, it it creates this divide before we even talk to someone, before we even demonstrate the love of Christ to them. And so I believe the Lord is in this season breaking down this old language that has this divide, this secular and sacred divide. It's the same language that says um, only people who get paid by the church are in the ministry. I don't know. We may get our paycheck from the church. That's all well and good. You may get your paycheck from the lumber yard, but you're just as much in the ministry as I am. If you're a follower of Christ, you are to extend the kingdom of God where you're at, whether it's at a school, whether you teach at a school, whether you're home, you're home, you raise your kids, you are extending the kingdom of God where you're at. And so the Lord is changing this language that we're using. So all that being said is we meet on this campus and for years and years and years, uh, we, we've been getting this picture from a number of different people of, like, email us, hey, I, I had this dream last night of the campus on fire. Uh, and then we have this other prophetic word, they see the campus just blazing with fire. I'm like, yeah, God, let's, let's see it happen. We want to see this campus on fire for the kingdom of God. And the Lord, is, like I said, has given us some awesome opportunities to uh, just serve the school, show Jesus' love through the school. But what we want to talk about today is this fire. We have a, sometimes a little different ideas of what fire is and what it does and what it does in, in us and what it does through us and what is this fire? Because we talk about it all the time, right? We say, Lord, come, burn in our hearts. And you know, we get a feeling of, of the Holy Spirit. We, we, we feel sometimes tangibly, sometimes we feel heat in our hands. And, but very rarely do we have this fire inside of us that just literally blazes, that compels us to go out and be his hands and feet. I mean, we may feel it a little bit when we gather that's all well and good or in your private time with the, with the Lord as you're praying or with you're driving down the car, you, you, know, you listen to some worship music and, and you start feeling it. But what is it? What would it look like? What would it look like with 100 people that are in here today who walk out of here with a fire that doesn't go out? Can I say this one thing? It's not going to be comfortable. Maybe we have an idea that 
Fire means, oh, it's going to be awesome. We're going to go out and do this. Yes, there's going to be amazing things that are associated with the fire. But at the same time, what it's going to do, it's going to burn away a lot of things that make us uncomfortable. Because what fire does, it refines us. It purifies us. It removes all the excess stuff. But what it also does, it prepares the ground for what the Lord has for us to step into. So I don't know about you, but I want that in my life. And I don't want it just a singular moment. I want to live that. I want that to be something that I'm constantly in. She has permission to interrupt anytime she wants to, just vice versa. So do you have anything to add? Okay. So there's a story um, in Daniel. we all probably familiar with it. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, we know this story, right? In case you aren't terribly familiar with it, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's uh, pretty long. But there's these uh, three men who were with Daniel who were brought into captivity in Babylon. And these weren't men who were necessarily younger than Daniel. They were actually contemporaries of his, about the same age. And the Bible actually attributes their wisdom and uh, their abilities right alongside with Daniel in the first chapter. But then Daniel interprets this dream, and he gets a position. But what happens then is Daniel actually uh, has the king place Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as governors of Babylon. And so these aren't just three kids who are just radically saved on fire for Jesus, these are significant people who have a significant position who are seen. And so they understood that whatever they did wasn't going to be go unnoticed. And so their decision to not bow down before the idol, the king created this idol, said everyone's going to bow down. If you don't, you're going to regret it, right? Daniel chapter 3. There we go. 16 Daniel chapter. to 20. So we see the story, they, they, they're not going to bow down. They didn't. Even though the king knew them, even though they had found favor with the king before this, the king was furious. And the king threw them in a furnace. But what happens through that fire is something that the king had no idea or expectation of what would happen. I want to speak about, there's, there's seven things that happens in the fire. And I believe this is a marker. If you want to turn to your Bible to um, Daniel 3, feel free to go there. Because we're going to go back and forth into some of these verses here. As we talk about the, the, uh, the, the seven things that happened. And I believe that these are markers, not just in this story, but these are markers on our lives. These are results of what happens in a life that willingly goes through the fire. How many know we have a choice? We have a choice. So just before he gets into the seven things, I just really felt to speak firstly about um, our yes to the Lord. Um, the fire, it's, we, we talk about it, but when it comes to realization, everybody's terrified of it. Because fire, everybody thinks naturally it's going to bring burning. Um, and we see in John 15 where he talks about 
the abiding in the vine that he, he takes away the branches that aren't producing fruit, right? He puts them in the fire. So that automatically makes it go, oh my gosh, the fire, it only hurts. Okay, but I want you to understand that if we do what he just said, if we choose to put ourselves on the altar and ask the Lord to consume us with his fire, we are the part that's painful is the dying to ourselves. The part that's that's amazing and joyous in the same space, it's called the paradox, is coming to alive to Christ. So while there is a dying of self in the fire, there's a coming alive in the fire. Both of those things happen. One thing, the dead weight falls off. The whole thing of the old man and the whole thing of of, uh, ourselves, dying to ourselves, is so that we can be made alive in Christ. And I posted this thing on Facebook. I'm just going to say this because everybody leaves Jesus on the cross and doesn't allow Jesus to raise from the dead. The, the, the things that people wear and in, in, in Catholicism and stuff, you have pictures of Jesus on the cross and people put Jesus on the cross and we have to die to this, we have to die to this. And all they focus is on the dying. But in the fire, you come alive. You don't just die. And so I just want to encourage you that when we say we're surrendering to the fire and actually we're inviting, what is the fire in Jesus' eyes? What's the revelation fire in Jesus' eyes? His Love. So think about that. Because in his love, we don't have a spirit of fear. So if you go, if you go and you go and look in the description from Daniel and Daniel chapter 7 of the revelation of Jesus as he is now, and you go into Revelations and you read the revelation of Jesus, it says he has fire in his eyes. And the fire is the love of God. It's the love of God that actually takes the dead things off and brings things to life. And so in the fire, if we say yes, and we have that complete yes, these seven things that he's going to talk about are going to happen, but that surrender is actually love. Paul talks about becoming a bond slave to righteousness, a bond slave to Jesus. It's the love that compels us to lay our lives down, right? It's not because we have to. It's because we want to, because there's no better place to be than in the fire of God with his presence surrounding us, with his, with his shield of the presence in the, in the citadel of the Lord God Almighty, hidden in the secret place where all the things come to life in him. It's when that happens inside of us that the stuff outside, that's what allowed these guys to do what they did. They carried something inside of them in the love of God. They knew who God was for them in that moment, that if they laid down something, he would resurrect something. So I just want to encourage you that when we're talking about fire, yes, we have to surrender. Yes, we have to die to ourselves, but we come alive. Something changes. Supernatural power happens. Resurrection life. Miracles All those things happen. So I had to say that before he goes on. Okay. It's awesome. Really good. So there's something that's activated before we actually step into the fire. And like I said, and like Deneen was talking about, there is a choice for us to enter into the fire that's placed in front of us. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego they didn't have to step into the fire. Why? They could have compromised. 
They could have said, you know what, for the comfort of today, you know, I'm sure God wants me to last. They could have justified it. You know, we're in a significant position. It's going to help our nation if we aren't killed. But if, if we do end up going to the fire, you know, you know, God might save us, but we might die. And so they might start justifying these things in our head that make sense, right? Like, well, there's a position here, and I can, I can be much more useful to the kingdom if I stay in that position. Or we can face the fire and say, I'm not going to compromise. Come on. Boom. It may end up being very painful. How many know that fire is painful? I mean, people burn themselves by accident. It doesn't feel good. And so we have a choice. Are we going to go through the fire or are we going to compromise and talk ourselves out of going into the fire? Because it may look ridiculous. People may look at us like we're weird. People may say, that person, I, they're way out there. I don't, I don't want anything to do with them. How many know that they, that may happen. But if there's a fire in front of us that God is calling us to walk into, it's an invitation. The first thing that gets activated is faith. And how many know that a faith is not in ourselves? The faith that we have is not in to see a specific result. Our faith that we have is 100% in God and his character. And if we don't know that, if we don't know the goodness of God, if we don't know and believe that he is good regardless of the situation, I don't care what I'm going through. I don't care if it hurts. I don't care if I, 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 I'm not seeing what I thought I was going to seek. I know that God is good. If we aren't convinced of that, we cannot enter into the fire. Because who's going to go through that discomfort on a hope that, well, maybe God's good. Maybe he'll come through this time. I don't know. We'll see. But if you're convinced, and if you know that you know that you know, and I know there's an invitation today to come taste and see of the goodness of God. If you haven't experienced it, if it's still just a theory in your head, God's calling you today to come and experience my goodness. Come experience my love. Because when you, when you know that, you know that regardless of the situations we go in life, my God is good and he's going to take care of me. And just like these guys said, you know what, go ahead and throw me in the fire because I know the God we serve can save us. But what was the next sentence that came out of their mouths? But even if we don't. And the same was with Esther. You know, Esther went into the king. He said, she said at the end, and if I perish, I perish. But what's more important, the kingdom of heaven or self-preservation? That's an interesting decision. So once we enter into the fire, once we begin, we begin to experience this, there are things that follow. And we see this demonstrated in this story. The first thing, after faith is activated, and again, the faith isn't in a hope that we're going to see a certain result. Our faith is completely in the character of God. But as we walk into that fire, what happens? The presence of God shows up. 
And just like this story, they threw three people in. The king looks down and says, why are there four? And in your lives, and in my life, and in every life of people who have said yes to Jesus, the marker on our lives is the presence of God. He's promised that. I mean, I don't have time to go through the dozens of scriptures saying, I will never leave you. I will never say all these scriptures about him and his presence being with us. But what happens next? This is something we are all called to see and do and accomplish through the power of God, which is to see the miraculous. So even as these guys were thrown in, the people who were throwing them in actually got burned. They went in. They didn't even smell like smoke. They didn't get burned up. They stood in the middle of the fire, and they were not consumed. That's pretty miraculous. How many stories of the miraculous have we heard? How many have heard of stories of the miraculous? All right, every single person's hand should be up. How many people have experienced the miraculous in their own lives? How many know that the miraculous doesn't look like you think it's going to look most of the time? Amen. He believes it. I mean, we have stories of, like, forefathers, uh, Polycarp. So this guy, he was a disciple of John. And the story goes that he was witnessing to this group of people, and they were all coming to the Lord. And so the officials said, we can't have this. We're going to kill him. So they chopped off his head. But what happened is he actually picked up his head and walked for eight miles preaching the gospel of Christ after he was beheaded. That's pretty miraculous. How many people have seen that? She's just like, I don't know if I want to see that. <laughs> it's pretty gory. It didn't say blood was dripping or anything gory. We don't know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who, who knows, right? But we're called to a miraculous life. We're, we're called to see the lame healed. We're called to cast out demons. A lot of people don't feel a little comfortable with that one. That was a great commission, right? It actually came before healing the sick. We're called to live a miraculous life, and if we are in the presence of God, we have to expect and anticipate the miraculous, amen? Because if we don't, we're going to miss it. When it passes us by. Go ahead. Part of that is because God wants to use you. See, we think that the miraculous is going to be a brick out of heaven hitting us on the head, and Jesus did it, and then everybody says, yay! But see, that's not how it works. How it works is our faith activates our faith, our ability to say, hey, this does not equal heaven. This is illegal. I'm going to actually stand in proxy, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to demonstrate his power through me into my circumstance or into what I see. That's what it requires. So the reason things pass us by isn't because God didn't want something to happen. A lot of times it's because we're just not available. 
So be available. When you're walking and you're seeing somebody, say, well, what are you saying about that? What can I release? How can I release hope? How can I release life? How can I bring the fire of God here? Because each one of you are called to be glory carriers, fire carriers. How many people in here, be honest, have contended for something miraculous that has not happened? Raise your hand. All right. That's, again, everybody, you, everybody should... Wow, I need to talk to the people who didn't raise your hand because you're doing something amazing. That's awesome. So one thing we do is we hold the miraculous hostage. What I mean by that is we have this idea of what an answered prayer and what the miraculous has to look like in this season. And when it doesn't, what happens? When it looks different or when it, our answer looks a little different or our answers delayed, what do we do with that? We begin to doubt. We begin to allow these thoughts that says, well, maybe God is good, but not in this situation. God was good for Susie. I saw that cancer removed from her life, but for me in this season, for this thing that I'm looking for, maybe he changed his mind. We're not going to say that, but these are doubts that we can choose to agree with. And the minute we agree with them, we give it power and we give it authority in our lives. So I believe right now, let's all close our eyes. The Lord wants to do a work. I really believe that we carry around these hurts in our lives because we have not seen something that we thought we were supposed to see in the timing that we thought we were supposed to see it. And because we did it, we have this hurt in our lives and we put this little bit of barrier. It might be small, but it's there between believing in the love and goodness of God. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now into that place. Forgive us for believing the lie. Forgive us for holding your miracle hostage, saying it has to look this way. Jesus, I pray right now that you would come. Show us where you were in the moment of our pain, in the moment of our situation that we thought we were abandoned. Show us where you were. And even right now, across this whole room, Jesus is showing you where he was. He was holding you through it all. He was partnering with you. He was crying with you. He was weeping with you. He's saying, I want to wipe away those tears. So, Lord, I thank you for your healing here now. Jesus. That's a significant thing that the Lord is just doing right now in a lot of our hearts. And one of the keys in times of pain and sorrow is turning our face towards Jesus and worshiping him. 
which is another, the next, very next key after the miraculous, is what happens when we're in the, in the fire is worship springs out of our lives. And not only that, worship of everyone around us starts springing up. The king, who was not a believer, started worshiping God in the middle of this thing because he saw what happened. How awesome would that be for people to see the goodness of God in our lives and give glory to him? It's in the, it's in the Bible somewhere. The next thing, we're going to close out real quickly here because we're almost out of time. So I'm just going to touch on these. There's a testimony that's released. How many know testimony is important in our lives? It's important to continually uh, talk about what God did before so we can enter into what he wants to do again. We've heard that teaching in the Hebrew. That word testimony has the implication of doing it again. And so there is an invitation as we're giving these testimonies, as we're telling about the goodness of God. And in this case, it was King Nebuchadnezzar who was giving the testimony, which is pretty crazy. But there's an invitation there to say, God did this. We can enter into those promises and see him do it again. Amen? The next thing that happens is culture changes. How many want to see our culture change? How many know a lot of the, our cultures right now is not reflecting the kingdom, but how many know that every single thing here on this earth is purposed and destined to reflect the kingdom of God? How many believe that everything on this earth is purposed and destined, let me say that again, to reflect the kingdom of God? Do we believe that? Because if we don't believe that, why don't you just go home? What's the point of all this? God has placed us on this earth to see transformation, to see, his he- see heaven come and be reflected on earth. It's just not a motto. It literally is something that God wants to do here on earth. And so through the fire in our lives, we see culture change. And the very last thing is we see his promotion and his provision. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... They went through this thing. They had a high position. But even after it all, through the miraculous, God elevated them to an even higher position and provided. How many need provision for their lives here in this room? Amen? Go for it. Um, as we're tying up, I just want to highlight something. In Exodus chapter 31 through 33, it's, a, it's an interesting depiction of Moses going up the mountain and um, all the things that happen with the children of Israel. And um, there's a couple things in there that I want to highlight that I've, I feel is a parallel to this, is, is that, um, you know, when, Jesus, when the Lord came down on the mountain, it says that he was like a fire at the top of the mountain. And then the mountain was shaking and it was quaking. There was thunder, there was lightning. It was God up on the mountain. And the Israelites were terrified. And what they did is they said, Moses, you go for us. You go up and meet with God. God had given the invitation to all the people to come to the mountain. But they were so scared of what could be or what wouldn't be or what they'd have to give up or what would happen that they didn't go up and they sent one man instead. The Bible talks about when Moses came down from the mountain, his face shone so brightly, right? From being in the presence. 
says he set up the tent of meeting to meet with the Lord, and he set it up outside of the camp. There is a reason why he set it up outside of the camp, because when he came down, they had, he, he sees what God had seen. They had built a calf, and they had done all this stuff, and they said, look, they pointed to the calf, and they said, look at the God who rescued you from Egypt, who brought you up, and they bowed down and worshiped that calf. They named that calf the same name of God. They did it thinking that was what, humanistically, that was what they needed to do because they didn't know what happened to Moses. There was no revelation, no insight of who God was as a father because they didn't go up the mountain. They were too scared. The tent of meeting went outside because inside the camp was the familiar stuff. And I really feel that the Lord wants to release and free us from the familiar things. The things that all our lives we've done to get closer to God, whatever it is, the religious stuff, the, the everyday stuff, that, that what supernatural became so mundane, not holy anymore. We set the tent of meeting, he set the tent of meeting outside because they had to leave what was familiar to enter into the presence. So when they needed something disputed, whatever, they go, but only Moses could go in. And it's really interesting, if you read Exodus 33, chapter, or verse, chapter 33, verses 7 through 10, if you read that and let it sink into your spirit, what actually happened. It says that the pillar of fire would, or the pillar of uh, the cloud would come down onto the tent of meeting. Moses would rise to go. The people would literally know he was going. They'd come and stand outside his tent and they'd watch him from afar go into the place that they had been invited to only just a little while earlier. They watched someone else go into the presence and they stood there. And then when he went in, he, they worshiped the cloud. And then when he came out, then they went back into their tent. There is an invitation not to settle for someone else's experience, not to settle for your leaders going into the tent of meeting and watching what's happening, watching the fire, there is an invitation for you to come up the mountain. There is an invitation for you to shed the familiar stuff, the stuff that's in the atmosphere, the oppressive stuff, the heavy stuff, the stuff that might be weighing you down. Shed it off, shed it off, get rid of it, and actually run up the mountain to meet into the presence of the Lord because his presence changes everything. There's, a, there's an invitation to be so on fire with the fire of God, so consumed, just like the burning bush, it wasn't burned up, it was just continually consumed with the fire. If we understand the love of God and the invitation into his presence and the fire that is to consume us, it doesn't burn us up where we lose who we are, we actually come alive into who we're created to be. This is the invitation. Do not settle for your leaders going and meeting with the Lord on your behalf as you watch what God does from a distance. Be part of it. Say yes. Yes, I'll lay down my rights and pick up yours. Pick up your heart. That is the invitation that is on the table. The invitation into the miraculous. The invitation into great faith. The invitation to be men and women that see the kingdom of heaven come in supernatural, mind-blowing ways. Because what? Because you said yes and you believe he is who he says he is. And you've entered into his presence and been transformed. 
That's the invitation. This is the fire of God. This is the love of God. This is what we're supposed to sweat out. Then he hints, sweat out, sweat. It's like I lift up my armpit and out comes fire. I'm just kidding. That's weird. I know, it was weird. <laughs> but you understand, I'm just being extreme in my, in my example to make you laugh. But you understand, our lives are supposed to sweat out the glory of God. Someone gets around us, they are going to get hit. Right? How many of you want that? Come on. You want to stand? Stand up then. Let's do it. Whoever is a keyboard player, we'll take a keyboard player, please. Thank you. So tonight we get to celebrate this, what God's doing. To an even greater degree. It's, it's not like, okay, let's come experience it because we want to experience it one time in our lives. We want to continually be bathed in the fire of God. Amen. So tonight we get an opportunity to just camp around the presence of God and respond to that invitation of coming into his presence, of burning with him. I want that. If you want that, raise your hand. Holy Spirit. What else is there to say except for come? We say yes to your fire. We say yes to you. Burn in our hearts now. Burn in our hearts now. Burn in our hearts now. Just invite him right now. Just say, come. Come. Come, come. Come, Holy Spirit. If you have a spiritual tongue, just begin to speak in tongues right now. So, Lord, we just lay ourselves on the altar. We invite your fire to come and consume every part of us, God that your love, that the zeal and the passion of your presence would come once again. Right now, I just release the wind of the Spirit to blow on the coals and the embers and hearts. Lord, fan into flame the passionate love for you. The love that goes beyond self, 
the love that goes beyond the status quo, the love that wants to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right now, Lord, I ask that you would release a supernatural fire and an unction of the Holy Spirit in every heart. Fan the flame, God. Fan the flame. Mm, We say yes to you. We say yes, we say yes to you, Holy Spirit, come. Oh, we say yes to you. Ignite, ignite a passion for your presence. Come and fail, come and fail. Come and fail, come and fail. Come and fill every heart. So we thank you guys for having us today um, and inviting us into your home. We're really excited about what God wants to do tonight as well. We're just going to explore his presence. We're going to just come and just, he's just going to come and invade this place like you've never seen or experienced before. I have that faith and, and that anticipation. And so through our worship and through our praise, there's going to be some significant things that are done and released. And how many know that what God does through our praise and our worship is never just about what the room that you're in. We're going to come and we're going to believe that we're going to prophetically declare and release things into the atmosphere of this city and this region as we worship tonight. How many have a faith for that, to see that transformation happen? So we thank you guys, and we just invite you tonight.